welcome to the Al Debrin Podcast. Before we, we begin, I want to give a shout out to Lex Media for helping us bring this podcast to your ears. I especially want to thank our beautiful producer, Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi there. My name is Sarah Green. And my name is Jason West. We're both psychics, and we've teamed up with a group of scientists to build a love-based nonprofit organization called Meta Lighthouse. Some of our listeners might be wondering why scientists would want to work with psychics. But together, our goal is to help bridge science and spirituality so that people can see that there is a much greater reality beyond what we think we already know. Our mission is to help create social change through empathy and advancements in technology. How do we plan to do that, you may be asking. Although many of you have never heard of Meta Lighthouse, we've been meeting in secret for the past eight years, working hard on our agenda to help humanity thrive physically and mentally while growing spiritually. And we are excited to finally share some of our projects with you. Our intention with this podcast <clears throat> is to educate people about empaths and dispel some of the myths around psychics and metaphysics. In times like these, when it looks like the world is falling apart and no one knows what to believe in, we want to offer solutions, give hope, and inspire other people to get involved with our mission. So fasten your seatbelts and listen closely because we have some very interesting and some controversial subjects to talk about, such as karma, the Bible, the Akashic Records, alien civilizations, and why we have no business going to Mars because there is too much work to be done right here on Earth, starting with ourselves. We plan to dive deep into those topics in future podcasts. We look forward to inviting people onto our show to make it more fun and interactive. But for our premiere episode, Sarah and I want to share our mission of creating social change through empathy. One of the ways we are doing this is offering a free eight-step support program that we created for other empaths to help them learn how to deal with being so sensitive to the world around them and uncover their true soul's purpose. The word empath has become really popular in recent years. In fact, I didn't realize that I was a super sensitive empath until I met Jason eight years ago. And I'll share the amazing story of how we met. But before I do, I want to give Jason a chance to introduce himself. He's a little shy, and it might take a minute to get him to come out of his shell. But just so everyone knows, he's the most gifted psychic any of you will ever meet. And you've been reading people for over 30 years, right, Jason? Yes, I have. I, I, um, I pretty much grew up in a psychic family. And this is how I learned to read the tarot. And my mother and aunts and relatives, they actually had me attend this, what they would call a mystery school, which is really, you know, not necessarily a mystery, in Northern California. So my education wasn't necessarily mainstream. Some of my most memorable experiences growing up was I was visited by these angelic beings from a young age, but I didn't quite understand where they came from. And throughout my life, these beings were giving me downloads of information, and I had no idea what to do with it. They even told me about the tragic events on 9-11, two years before it happened. And this was documented in an article I had written for the Worcester Magazine in 1999. 
Jason, can you tell the listeners about your experience as a psychic reader? Um, how successful have you been over these years doing all those readings? Well, to be honest, it, the success is, is, is uh, rated by the, uh, the people that come to me. And I've helped people navigate their way through careers, marriages, divorces, and losses of loved ones. I've helped people grow their businesses. I've even helped scientists improve their lab results. There is some also work with even law enforcement helping solving these cases that were unsolved. And although I was successful in those regards as far as predictions and the help I offered, it was really perplexing because as a psychic, it was a struggle in the third dimension. It's always been like a hand-to-mouth experience. And it was very challenging sometimes to make ends meet. I would always wonder why I had this great ability to predict the future events like 9-11 and get this incredible guidance for other people, yet but why was it such an impoverished lifestyle? Right around the same time Jason was struggling with those questions, I was struggling as a psychic too. My background couldn't be any more different from Jason's. I grew up in a very conservative Christian family. Uh, We went to a Baptist church, and even though I stopped going to church later in life, I always held on to my faith in Christ. Um, His message about love has always resonated with my spirit. However, I I just never felt like I could be myself around other Christians. I never shared any of my psychic experiences with one other soul, never because I thought I'd be judged, told I was crazy, or even evil. My fear of being judged was so great that even I began to think that metaphysics was evil too. So I'm sure there are some listeners out there who can relate. Even the word psychic scared me. Imagine the irony, being a psychic person and afraid of that word. (laughs) As far back as I can remember, I felt Probably like Jason, I was living in a different reality from everyone else. I'm going to guess that I was maybe seven or eight years old when these visitations started. Um, I was being visited by these people. They were different looking um, at night when everyone else in my house was asleep. I call them people because I really didn't have any other reference at the time. I had never heard about angels or aliens So they just were people to me. But they would come to me at night and take me away from my house to talk with me. And sometimes there were other kids my age with me too. I don't really remember a lot of it, but I knew that it was going on on a regular basis at night. And in the morning, I would just wake up like nothing ever happened, and I blocked it out of my mind. I just got up and went to school like everyone else. But I knew I wasn't like the other kids at school. I was really sensitive to everyone's feelings, and I couldn't understand what other kids were mean. I found myself looking for one of those kids, one boy in particular, from those nighttime visits with the angels. And for years, I would look for him in crowds. I was searching to see if he was there somewhere. Imagine how lonely that was, not being able to find him. I didn't even know his name. But anyway, back to 2012 when I first met Jason. So like I said, I was struggling, but I had 
depression and anxiety, and I had a friend who suggested that I get a reading from Jason. Um, it took me months, I think, to make that a first appointment because I was a skeptic. What do I need to see a psychic for anyway? The word psychic made me feel weird still. In fact, the only reason I made it to the appointment that day was because I got lost driving and I ended up in the parking lot of the building where he was working. So I realized that it must be meant to be. So I met Jason and he gave me my first tarot reading. It was like a huge weight was lifted from my shoulders as I drove home after that. I hadn't felt that happy and that relaxed in years. It was just, I felt elated. And then when I got home, I got a phone call. So I want to, we're going to talk to Jason now, what, how you felt after that reading. Well, the truth of the matter is when, when, you know, prior to meeting you, I had, I had a recollection, a psychic uh, impression that I was to meet my sister. I had a sister out there and I had a, someone that I had to meet. Um, You know, I would tell people around me about that experience and, of course, uh, those people that I would tell, it was like falling on deaf ears. They would just say, you're absolutely insane. <laughs> so here I am uh, doing these readings, always with hope that I'm going to find this person. So when you first came into the, the, the reading, um, you know, as we were getting insight and information through the tarot, I couldn't help but, but, but in my consciousness recognize you. There was this kind of soul recognition. Yeah. And so much so that I actually had Chris, who who took all the appointments, made all the scheduling, actually find your phone number and reach out to you, which was completely out of character for me. You know, and I I would always separate readings and never really cross a a boundary of wanting to connect with somebody uh, outside of the reading room. So there was this, this, this compelling insight that you, that I recognized you, but yet you had information for me. See, that's, that was the irony of it is that I had reached out to you because I had, I was holding on to the fact that I was going to meet you, but that you were going to give me all the things that I, I'm supposed to understand. Tell you all the great mysteries of, of your life, of, right? That's right, because <laughs> I knew you were coming. Well, I thought the same about you, too. I mean, I got that phone call that you wanted to see me again, and it was very mysterious, you see, because it was the, the receptionist, not you. And she said, right. Jason needs to see you right away. He has something important to tell you. And I thought, wow, what could it possibly be? I had this great reading. I feel amazing, but he has more to tell me. Hmm. So I had to actually wait, what, four days or something before I saw you again. And I I actually got another reading. Um, And we just, it was such an immediate friendship that we struck up from there. And we just kept getting together for coffee. Um, It didn't take long for us to just, we just were starting to remember one another as if we were waking up from a dream. We couldn't spend enough time with each other. We had so much to talk about. And simultaneously, we were both getting downloads of information from our guides who were telling us all this stuff about human evolution. They were saying that humanity is in a dire situation, and if people don't evolve by embracing one another with kindness and acceptance, 
there would be great cataclysms, war, and mass destruction of the species. So can you imagine hearing all this, but not knowing what to do about it? It's very disturbing, I may add. Yeah. So um, set that aside for a moment. They told us that we were actually twins, soul twins, and that we had a mission on this planet, and that was to help usher in a new civilization based on equality, empathy, and peace. These guides were telling us that we would be working with scientists to bridge the gap between science and spirituality. They also wanted us to gather empaths together. And at the time, uh, I hadn't heard the word empath, but they were calling them the children of light. Um, And they asked us to build Metal Lighthouse so that empaths would have a place to congregate and learn about themselves and get the support they need. And I may add that we were pretty stunned with all this information uh, coming to us. Neither of us had any experience pretty much building anything, nor did we have any money. We didn't know any scientists. We had no clue how to get any, uh, how to go about any of this. But deep down inside, we knew we were cut out for the tasks. They would say things like, you've done this before. Mm. This is something that has been done before on the planet, and you're just waking up to who you are. And it felt right to us. Um, It was very amazing because it was our first introduction to what faith is. So here we are with this huge agenda being given to us and us not having any of the resources or the experiences in our present consciousness to do this, well, of course, that means you have to have faith. So we started our our lessons with these beings on what faith really is. Um, We just had to trust the guides and take one step at a time. You know, and although we didn't realize who these angelic guides were in 2012, they were the same ones visiting us separately all along since we were little kids and finally guiding us to one another as adults through the first tarot reading. They are the same guides working with our science department, giving them direction with their various technologies, and they are here now to help humanity evolve out of greed, racism, barbaric medical practices, and fossil fuels. We call this the Aldebaran podcast because Aldebaran is where our guides come from. Excuse me. If you've never heard of Aldebaran, this is a highly advanced civilization from beyond Orion's belt. They're the same guides who worked with the Vril Society back in the 1930s before World War II. We are also in contact with intelligent beings from other places, such as the Pleiades. And all of these guides together call themselves the Guardians of Light. And we've actually been writing a book called Path to New Civilization, Conversations with the Guardians of Light. And we've had so many conversations with them over the years, and we've documented every single one of them. Um, you know, they've, they've become our friends. They're our guides. They're with us all the time, and it's pretty amazing. Um, but this show isn't all about UFOs and, and alien encounters, although we have some good stories. Our intention is to share their message that every human is part of God. Every human deserves to be treated with kindness and fairness. And this is what our mission is about, creating social change through empathy. 
Jason, do you want to talk about the, you kind of glanced upon the uh, evidence-based faith that we have, or faith-based evidence? Yeah, I want, to, I want to talk about that because I had also said, I had mentioned that the same guys are working with our science department, but I want to back up the development of that and yeah. uh, talk about faith-based evidence. Mm. You know, we were taught about uh, faith by working with these guides, and I hate to call them aliens. It's such a foreign, weird word, you know? Yeah. So we call them our friends, but um, the faith, what they told to us about faith, because we would say to them, well, how are we going to do this? We don't, we can't do this. It's just right. us two. <clears throat> and um, what they said was that one of the ways to building your faith, and faith should always be followed by evidence. Faith should not be something that you believe in for your whole existence of life and never getting the evidence that this faith is to be supported. That's folly. So what they told us to do is write down all of the things that are required by faith and the messages that we receive and document and tape everything. Maybe we should uh, go back to the beginning, like our first example of that. Yeah. I mean, certainly us coming together, finding one another after having had those experiences as children is one example. Right. Um, you know, that we, we would find each other eventually. And so when they asked us to um, build the lighthouse and, and write this book, you know, we just, we said, we were excited. You right. know, we wanted to do this, even though we didn't have the experience. Somewhere deep down, we knew we could do it. Right. So right at the very beginning, they, they said, put the building the lighthouse on hold for just a moment because um, we're not happy with the Pope. Hmm. This was back in January or early February of 2013. They kept talking about the Pope. They were hmm. unhappy with him. We didn't know anything about the Pope, Jason, Nothing. right? Nope. So, but I remember, you know, writing this down. They're they're unhappy with the Pope. So, and blocking the children, the oh, progress. Right. That's they why were they were unhappy because they were blocking the progress for the children, children of, of light. light. Yes. So, about two weeks later, after these messages were coming in, um, I saw a news report. Of course, it was all over the news that Pope Benedict had resigned. It was February twenty eighth. 2013. I remember that date so well because mm. I've, I've read that document so many times, mm. just trying to absorb what that meant for us, you know, building this organization. Mm. And they did mention that the successor would be more, Pope Francis, Pope Francis would be more aligned Empathic. for the children of light mm -hmm. and the uh, pushing forward the agenda of empathy yeah. and, uh, you know, healing and upgrading the Catholic Church. Yeah. So that was also uh, forecasted. Yep. And I think the next one came in with um, one of our scientists. So, okay, so maybe a month or two later after this happened, we were getting guidance about what humanity could look forward to in evolution. Mm. So we can look forward to, you know, advancing out of fossil fuels and having, um, you know, anti-gravitational cars and other technologies. Mm. But they told us about the scientists, or, or they told us about um, humanity's potential for living a long, long time, mm. say 120 years, 150, even up to 250 years was a potential. Mm. But we, you know, humanity had to evolve first. But they told us about the scientists who had technology for life extension and a cure for cancer. Mm. And, and also, but they did say that they would never sanction these 
technologies if man did not have the evidence of uh, evolving and what that means. And it's really just choosing love. Right. I, th- I think evolution is um, a very confusing word for a lot very of people. And we should talk about that. But I want to follow this thread of this conversation yes. about the scientists because we got right. this guidance that we would be meeting a scientist. And Jason, what was it, a week? About a week, week and a half maximum. So what happened? So what happened was, and again, this is the examples of faith-based evidence. We have this all documented. So we, you know, we 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 got the example of the Pope, and we were kind of excited about that. And now we're hearing about the sciences. So about a week and a half later, I'm in the reading room, and a woman walks in, and she's consulting the tarot, and we're going over her questions, and I could realize at that point and. Uh, at that point that her questions were revolving around her husband and his sciences. So of course my interests were extremely piqued because she was revealing in these questions that these scientists, these these technologies that he was working on were aligned to what the guidance we were told. So I immediately said to her, can you please get your husband in here to see me? I was curious beyond measure. She actually got up, made a phone call, and literally within the hour, he showed up. I happened to have a lighter day for the rest of the day, so I had him come in for a a consultation, and I knew within 10 minutes of the reading that this was the man that they had told us that is working with these high technologies that that could help change the way we even heal down to the way we won't even have to cut people with with incisions anymore. But the big thing with his technology is that he has um, a device that can treat cancer without any side effects, so it could eliminate the need for chemo and radiation. Um, But so anyway, so I, Jason, called me (laughs) right after that reading, and we were both so excited that the, the guidance, you know, it was we were getting the evidence for it. And I met him and his wife, um, I'm not going to mention their names on air because his technology is its hidden right now because, anyway, I don't know if we want to describe just, that Just right put now. it this way. For those with technologies, <clears throat> we'll understand this. It's very challenging to present technology into this world. You right. would think it's easy, but it's not. Right, especially if it's going to take away from big pharma or, you know. Things of this nature. Yeah. And I, the irony with our, with this technology is that the big pharma and people like that would actually make more revenues off of this technology. The deal is we just want to remove the chemotherapy. So we met, uh, we got together um, with him and his wife maybe a week later and for, for dinner, and it was just, it was such a natural fit for us, and Together we, you know, they became part of our board of directors of Metal Lighthouse, and we've been working with them ever since. Um, can you f- go ahead? I may add to this. Prior to this scientist, again, we were told that we would be working with scientists, and neither of us had any science background or any scientists in our family or friends. We forgot to mention that there was another scientist oh. that uh, appeared prior to this one who was with us from the beginning. Pretty much, he just kind of 
Do you want to tell that story? Because he actually came to you for a reading. Okay, I'll briefly say this story. So again, going into this faith-based evidence, we're required faith, and the faith was the guidance we were told we would meet scientists. So we had to have faith. And shortly after we were told this, the first scientist who showed up, he showed up the night before he showed up, um, I was getting a lot of information about flying constructions of uh, UFOs. UFOs and how they work and even the scholastics of them. And to be quite honest, I became very frustrated because the conversations I was having was not helping my regular life. <laughs> and I says, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Right. And I actually beca- became irritated a little because, again, as a real reader, your life is really hard as far as hand-to-mouth living. That's what it is. There is no school. There's no institution. There's no 401K. There's no none of that. Right. So your life is really hard. And you're sitting here guiding everyone else and giving them the guidance to have amazing success with money or amazing success in love. And you're sitting here as a reader going almost to the point where it's like, this isn't fair. You know, I can help all these people make all this money, but at night I'm starving sometimes. So I was getting a little angry that they're telling me about a UFO and how it works when I'm thinking, boy, rents do. And... um, so talk about our other scientists so, who showed up. Um, he, How did that go? So it went very well. So I just said to them in return, I don't want to talk about UFOs anymore until you send me somebody that can show me the evidence of this and the way things work. And then um, he showed up. And? And he had all the information that was the factual things that I was looking for in reference to UFOs and all of that stuff. And he invited me to some UFO functions and meeting other people. And I was impressed by the guides at that point, humbled. And I says, well, I guess my little reality doesn't matter. This is much more important. (laughs) (laughs) And that was like a 24-hour window of you having this conversation that he came to your that he showed he up. came to get a reading? He came to get a reading. And actually, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> when he came to get the reading, I forecast the cards. And, and literally, anybody, when you get a reading, you see the good, the bad, the indifferent. And with him, it was like, wow, he doesn't need, like, what are we going to talk about? Everything looks fantastic. So he was there to help you. He was there to help me. Right. And right. to help me and help us. Right. So to build this organization. There have been so many times when, you know, this is a huge job that we have had building this lighthouse. And there have been times when We've wanted we to just quit. wanted to give up. Yeah. Because it's it's so hard and we would try to talk to other people about it, but no one either they didn't believe us, they'd think that we were crazy. Right. Or they just knew it was just too big for them to handle. So um mm. it's been Kind of a challenging road. So it's awesome when something like that happens, when it just restores our faith in the guides, yes. when they when they give us the evidence that we've been needing. Um, so, you know, we talked about, you know, creating social change through empathy and our empath support program. So one of the other things that the guides wanted us to do was to gather empaths together, like I said earlier. And so 
right, you know, right at the very beginning, Jason and I started getting people together and meeting for an empath support group. And um, I think at our first meeting, we had 20 people show up. And but we didn't really, we had, you know, lots to talk about, but we didn't have any um, curriculum for the group. So it kind of got out of hand. And we just, we disbanded it, we grew out of it, and we realized that we needed to create a structure for empaths. So um, Jason and I channeled with the guides eight steps for empaths to follow. We have a program called Eight Steps to Illumination. It's a support manual for super sensitive empaths, and we use it to guide our empath support groups which we've been running for the past couple of years. We have two groups that meet um, two nights a week, and we're really looking to spread them into other locations because we've had great success helping empaths deal with some of their sensitivities. And I may add, it's we a should, free program. It's a free program. We should talk about what an empath is. Yeah, we'll briefly touch on what an empath is. And an empath is a is a what the guides would call a child of light. And a child of light is a child of of the universe, of all that is. And you're a sensitive person, you're a creative person, you're uh, very intellectual, you're you're drawn to healing arts and uh you know, you, you have intuitive. a com- intuitive and you have a compassion to yeah. uh, want to see a better world in a better place. Most empaths uh, we've met, they want to help people so much. They help them at the sake of their own health. Right. And I think that's part of what our eight step program teaches is empaths give themselves away to people and they end up burning out and suffering from symptoms of depletion. Well, so we went forward, yes, to create this eight-step program um, designed to help the super sensitive empath who's uh, basically a precursor is what empath is, is a precursor to psychic. You're, you're, you're on a training course to becoming psychic. And by the time you reach the eighth step, which is illumination, it's another word for being psychic, for having the understanding of all that is around you. It doesn't mean you understand everything but it, you understand all that is, if that makes any sense. Um, so that's why we established this program. We want to spread empathy and give structure to empaths, such as when we were children, we had nothing. Yeah. There was no structure. Yeah. There was no institution. Mm-hmm. There was no education. There was no higher learning. The mystery schools were only called mystery schools because they were hidden, because they would have been... Uh, you know, dismantled or aggression would have been to them because people didn't understand the hidden sciences. It's not a mystery of woo-woo. It was just a mystery because it was up on a hill in Northern California that no one knew about. And certain children got to have the access because their parents might have known they were kind of special. And that's all it is. So it's really not a mystery. And uh, ultimately, we do want to reach parents of kids who are gifted with abilities that they just don't understand. Um, I'm sure some of the listeners out there might have kids who have abilities like seeing auras. Maybe they hear voices. Maybe they see apparitions. And they're having experiences like me and Jason had when we were kids. So um, we encourage parents to reach out to us. Um, I'm going to just going to 
uh, tell you what our website is, check us out, metalighthouse.org. That's M-E-T-A lighthouse.org. If you believe in empathy and you want to help children who are gifted with empathy, visit our website and consider making a donation to this very, very worthy cause and help us spread this across the country and across the world. Um, Julie, did you have any thoughts or any questions that you wanted to ask us? Um, every every c- question I had, you you went ahead and you answered it. You're very, oh you're good. Very, you're very thorough in the <laughs> way you um, explain everything. But question I had for the both of you is that if there were, if there was a school like this for both of you when you were young, what do you think you would have benefited or gained from it that you weren't able to at a young age? Oh my goodness! Oh, I would Lord. have known my own power. Yes. You know, I would have been able to avoid um, feeling like nobody liked me and totally misunderstood all my life. Mm. Um, You know, I never really felt like I could share who I really am with anybody Mm. until I met Jason, you know, when I was in my 40s. So this is, it's incredible what what this could do to a young person. It sets them up for a life of success. Mm, mm. Success, true, with the word empathy, which is, is the kind of success you want. So it's success for the individual, and as long as that individual's success, their success is going outward for the benefit of love and helping others. The other thing it would have taught us by having this is, first of all, you would have formed a congregation or, or a, a, a support system of peers so you're mm-hmm. not feeling isolated. And number two, your gifts would be nurtured. So your, your, abil- your, your gifts are, are abilities, not disabilities. Because just because you're gifted, if you don't have the understanding of how to make the gift work for you, then there's a lot of tales of empaths that have very troubled lives. Well, you might have telepathy with um, beings from outside of this third dimension and it might be misdiagnosed as schizophrenia or you know a, a host of sure. other things i'm sure that happens yeah. a lot yeah so we so want to save people yeah. from um, being misdiagnosed and and looking at themselves as being crazy and 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 also by tuning into their gifts and making it work for them that means that you are producing a, an amazing asset to society and to uh, also evolution these children are so gifted if you could reduce the number of years of suffering by not knowing the gift and not being supported can you imagine walking through the world and not having a church not having an educational place that says come this way yeah. or not even having Having a friend that says, I understand. That is the most loneliest walk of life. And at the same time, you're getting all this amazing understanding. And and empaths naturally, and I know this is the way I have always been. I've always just wanted to help people. I mean, it doesn't matter where I go or where who I'm with. If I can help them, that's gonna make me feel good. And I grew up feeling that way. What is the age group that you are focusing on? Well, right now in our empath support groups, we have people, you know, we have teenagers in our group as young as 17, and some people are, you know, in their 
60s. But um, we would love to reach young people as young as maybe eight years old. Yeah, eight years old is the is the key number. If an, if a child at eight, that's a it's a very magical number. It's a, it's a, it's a number of full circle. It's also a number of child development, spiritually and physically. It's that unison number of above and below. Mm. So when you grab a child's consciousness at eight and you start to support their gifts and not take away then you'll find such amazing growth and there's these checkpoints. So if, if we started at eight and say it was just not a school, but say it was a camp and say they came for two weeks out of the summer and they started at eight and then they come back at nine and they come back at 10, they're building their support system. It's the same peers. They might not see each other all year, but they can stay in touch with the computer. They can still learn stuff. You will see such a development if you can work with their mind, body, spirit. These children would be called stewards of the earth, which is the program that we're, we're, we're fostering for these kids. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a very special situation because these kids could absolutely be great scientists, great lawyers, great judges. When you bring empathy into the structures already built, that's how you create evolution and change. And by that, you'll unlock all the keys to who we truly are as a race. Wow. That's amazing. I, I should, we should define evolution. You know how we start, we touched upon that, but we didn't continue. Should we just define that real quick? Sure. It's just about accepting one another as equals. Jason, did you, you well, have something to say? Evolution was never meant to be a monkey to a man. Mm -hmm. That's not evolution. Yep. Evolution is consciousness. Mm -hmm. Evolution is understanding that you are a mystery. Evolution is growth, and it's just basically choosing love. When you choose love first, you evolve as a species. When you choose hate, or you choose greed, or you choose these other emotions, lesser vibrations, you're stalling humanity. Evolution is stalled by division. Evolution is stalled by racism. Evolution is stalled by, stalled by the disparity between the have and the have-nots. So long as there's human suffering, we are not evolving. And once people realize that all human beings that are only separated through geographics, nothing else, the physical components of it is, is, is nothing more than an expression of the God spark to be expressed in a different geographics for higher learning. So once you're embracing a nation of humans and everybody trying to better situations, people should look at situations and target the disparity of a situation and correct that. If the least of these are suffering, then the greatest is suffering. Nobody is really separated metaphysically. So this is evolution and social change. And when you evolve that way, you don't have to build rockets. You don't have to uh, try all these, uh, you know, you know, there are people working on reengineering spacecraft, which is backwards. You know, people should look at the human body. Reengineer that. Why are we still cutting the body open? And you want to look at reengineering a spacecraft to fly you where? No one's even going to accept you. We are going to talk about that in more detail in a future podcast, and I look forward to it. 
Um, Julie, did you have any more questions for us? No, I, I'm not today, but I look forward to future podcasts where you break down uh, certain topics because it sounds like it is a huge universe to discuss. It, it really is. It's almost like, I mean, Jason and I get together all the time and we could just talk and talk and talk and channel information forever, it seems. Um, but let's talk about, we just want to leave um, the listeners with a couple of nuggets for our next podcast. What do you want to talk about in our next podcast, Karma? Well, we could either talk about karma, what it's like to burn karma, how to use it to better your life. Akashic Records, there's so many areas to talk about. So please listen in again. We're looking forward to coming back and doing our next podcast. And I just want to thank Julie and Lex Media for hosting us again and um, everybody who's working on this show. And again, our website, if you are interested, is metalighthouse.org. That's M-E-T-A lighthouse.org. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.